Jeremiah. What do we know about Jeremiah? Anybody? What is he known as? The weeping prophet. And we're going to talk about why in a little while. Anybody remember why? He was called the weeping prophet? Okay, we'll cover that in just a minute. So the book of Jeremiah, it records the final prophecies to Judah. Let's go look at where that is. Uh, okay, if I figure out what to do here. That's not it. Okay, this is what we're going to cover. Kind of the messages that we're going to talk about. Uh, why are we talking about Jeremiah? The man Jeremiah, God's call, his message, his warning, and then repentance, and then God's redemptive plan. Okay, um, I was hoping this would be a little bit bigger, but it's kind of like it is. So Judah is right here. Remember, Judah had a few, you know, quite a few good kings. Josiah was the last good king. And then we got into the, the next ones. Let me see if I can show you here. Okay. So here's Jeremiah. And Manasseh was a bad king. Um, and then um, Josiah was a good king. And then Jehoiachim and Jehoiakim and several others after that. We'll talk about that in a minute. So it was a, basically his job was a warning to Judah uh, if, it doesn't, if they don't repent, God is going to judge them. And so, um, Jeremiah, these, these are some key verses that, um, that Jeremiah wrote. Before I form, before, or that God wrote, gave to Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So, when you think of abortion, God has a plan for each person. And if they're aborted, they're killed, um, then they won't be able to be part of that plan. Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Jeremiah 29 says, what is what the Lord says? Seventy years are completed for Babylon. I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. So, how does that seventy years? You remember that? Remember the seventy years? What was what was that significant for? Daniel was reading Jeremiah one day, and he happened to see that seventy years. It's been sixty-nine years since. Um, since this happened, and that means we only have one year to go. And so, and that, he was right, because uh, after the 70th year, then they were, Cyrus was made king of uh, Persia, and then was released. He released the, uh, the um, Israelites. And then in, in Jeremiah 52, which is the destruction of Jerusalem, 
It says, on the tenth day of the fifth month, on the ninth year of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, commander of the Imperial Guard, who served the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. He set fire to the temple, the royal palace, and all the houses in Jerusalem. They burned that place to the ground. And uh, the book of Jeremiah is primarily a message of judgment to Judah for what? For the rampant idolatry. We're going to cover a little more of what they did in a little while. But after the death of King Josiah, the last righteous king, the nation of Judah had almost completely abandoned God and his commandments. Jeremiah compares Judah to a prostitute in Jeremiah's warning to Judah that God's judgment was at hand. God delivered Judah from destruction on countless occasions. Remember Hezekiah, uh, Sennacherib from, from uh, Assyria came down, surrounded the place, took all the cities all the way down and said, your God is not any better than our other, other gods. We just wiped out all these other cities. And you trusting in your God? Uh, I wouldn't do it, he said. Well, God took offense. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, well, Hezekiah laid the letter before God. Yeah, yeah he laid the letter that, that the king of Sennacherib sent him. He laid it on the ground, a good point. And he showed it to God. And Isaiah, he, he talked to Isaiah, and Isaiah said, not an arrow will be shot. And so the next morning, 185,000 Assyrians were dead around the city. And Sennacherib hightailed it out of there. And then when he got home, his sons killed him. So anyway, um, so... So they had been delivered from God on, on other occasions. But as the mercy was at an end, and Jeremiah records Nebuchadnezzar conquering Judah and making it subject to him. After the further rebellion, God brought Nebuchadnezzar and the, and the Babylonian armies to destroy Judah's, Judah and Jerusalem. And it was a, the event was a most severe judgment. God promises restoration of Judah back into the land God had given them. So he did promise them that they would be able to go back. So now Jeremiah presents a prophecy of the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. The prophet describes him as a branch of the house of David, the king who would reign in wisdom and righteousness. Now this is, keep in mind, this is, these people are in exile. Babylonians are ruthless. And so they are not having fun there, and uh, and and then Jeremiah wrote that you're going to be going back. Think of the hope that that gave them. And he and he said in this is in Romans it says in in uh, it is Christ who will finally be recognized as by Israel as the true Messiah. As he provides salvation for his chosen ones. It really doesn't happen until the um, at the end of Revelation. Uh, I can't think of the word. When they the last few years, it's it's in the 
What? Can't hear you. Rapture, not the rapture. Tribulation, okay. So it's the tribulation that, that purifies the Israelites as they go through the tribulation. They get purified, they come to Christ. That's when they come to Christ. So the prophet Jeremiah had the most difficult message to deliver. Jeremiah loved Judah, but he loved God more. As painful as it was for Jeremiah to deliver a consistent message of judgment to his own people, he was obedient to what God told him to do and say. Jeremiah hoped and prayed for mercy from God, but also trusted God that he was just, good, and and uh, righteous. So we too must obey God, even when it's difficult to recognize God's will as more important than our own desires and trust him in his infinite wisdom and perfect plan, he'll bring us about the best for his children. Okay, so we'll leave it there. So Jeremiah was born in Anatoth, about three miles from Jerusalem and um, in the hill country of Benjamin. His father was named Hilkiah, and Jeremiah was a priest from a whole line of priests in his family. And um, he primarily ministered to the people of Judah, although he prophesied according to the surrounding nations. The book contains historical accounts as well as prophetic declarations. Um, Though appointed by God, Jeremiah was rejected by the people He's sent to serve. He lived in an ongoing conflict. He he's he was fully he fully confronted Judah and his and the, their corrupt leaders. Is um, he pled with his countrymen to repent, and predicted God's coming judgment through an invading army. Wasn't very popular to say you're going to be wiped out by uh, an invading army or be judged by an invading army. So, which book, we're on Jeremiah, right? Which book has the most words of any book in the Bible? What would you say? That's the answer. So Jeremiah's number one. What's number two? No, it's not. It's Genesis. So it's, it's, it's uh, Jeremiah, Genesis, and Psalms. You count the words. There's like 34,000 words. 32,000 in, in Genesis and... <laughs> I think that's the English version, but I don't know which which translation. So, anyway, it was it, I was that was a kind of shock to me too. I was thinking it was always I always thought Psalms was the largest the long the longest book. But when you look at the words, uh, Jeremiah had thirty four thousand and and Psalms had thirty two thousand something and or Genesis had thirty two thousand something and and. Uh, Psalms had almost the same amount, a little bit less. So because of Jeremiah's painful journey and weighty message, he's often known as the weeping prophet. Um, he also wrote Lamentations. 
and I just read it. And Lamentations is a very heavy book. It's, uh, it's, it's Jeremiah writing about what he saw in Jerusalem and how horrible it was. And uh, he just cried. Yeah, well, it's pretty much when they're under siege, yeah. So he's, he, he suffered greatly and yet remained faithful to God as long as he lived. He clung to God as he walked the path marked out for him. And uh, much can be learned from his steadfast obedience. So the book of Jeremiah opens with God's commission to, to Jeremiah. So Jeremiah was about 20 years old when he became a, when God anointed him. Pardon? Only a child. Only well, yeah. Young man. Okay. But that's what he called himself. Yeah. Right. In fact, he said, um, uh, "God used beautiful words, vibrant messages, and personal experience to tailor his call to the young to be, young prophet to be." All Jeremiah heard and felt. helped him understand the realities of the divine appointment. His experience prepared him for a tough ministry ahead. Uh, How many times in his life did Jeremiah remember God's calm reassurance in this moment? God knows his servants. God chose uh, Jeremiah for his assignment before he was born. He determined that Jeremiah would declare a a specific message to a specific people living at a specific time in history. Jeremiah heard those words, quote, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. But he said, Lord, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. God countered Jeremiah's doubts with powerful research. Do not say I'm too young. You must go everywhere I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you and will rescue you. And he did. The Lord reached out his hand and touched Jeremiah's mouth, promising his provision precisely where Jeremiah felt inadequate. God would fill Jeremiah's mouth with his words. Jeremiah was acknowledged as with his stammer, uh, well, no, I take that back, was, uh, was not only a prophet to experience the awareness of the needs of God's promise, but his provision. And Moses, remember Moses? He acknowledged his stammering speech. He told God, no, no, don't pick me. I've got, I've got this speech problem. So, and he also, Isaiah and Ezekiel, when they were called, they had similar things. So, but God personally confirmed his involvement and identification with Judah and his work. And Jeremiah's uh, heard God speak words that crystallized his entire ministry and it throughout his entire ministry. Today I appoint you, he said, this is, uh, he said, see, today I appoint you over the nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. And that's, uh, that was Jeremiah 1.10. God promises always to be with us and does not guarantee an easy life. 
We often expect God to protect us from harm when we seek to live for him. Yet we find ourselves in a world where the majority turn away from him. Is that our world today? Following God requires swimming upstream, living a countercultural life. Speaking for God means claiming the truth and some people mock and most reject and ignore him. How do we continue to stand up for God while facing overwhelming pressure? What if obeying God makes your life hardest? Harder, not easier. God does not promise to spare his children from trouble, but he faithfully upholds those who put their trust in him. So God called Jeremiah to a long, difficult ministry. He foretold the tragic events and lived through them himself. He spoke to God. He spoke on God's behalf to people who spurned God's message. He bore the toll of costly obedience, physically and emotionally. He faced harsh circumstances, deep suffering, and painful rejection. Sharing God's heart means caring more about the spiritual peril of others than personal ease. It's even today, you know, when we think about people who reject God out there. A lot of them don't reject God, just don't know about him. So we have to, they see, you know, the scripture says, to see everything God created, that's, that's got to be, you got to be able to see that and understand that, but a lot of people don't take time to think about it. So we're surrounded by people consumed by this world's charms and obvious and oblivious to the realities of eternity. As we enjoy the incomprehensible benefits of salvation, we must remain alert to the spiritual needs of those around us. God calls his children to share his burdens, speak his message, and trust him with the results. Okay. Jeremiah's ministry took place in an age of crisis. He served more than 40 years, approximately from 627 to 586 B.C., under five kings. Josiah, which was a good king, Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, and Zedekiah were the bad kings. As one of God's final prophets, Jeremiah painstakingly proclaimed the imminent, God's imminent judgment and urgency of the people to repent. Who else do we remember that went and told Peter and had God commanded him to go tell him to repent? Remember who that was? What city was that? Nineveh. So God sent Jonah to Nineveh to tell these people to repent. It's in, it's in uh, Syria. Babylon. Syria's up here, Babylon's over here. So Babylon's over here, and Nineveh's up here. I can't, I can't read that, it might be up there. 
Anyway, um, so God told um, Jonah to go and, and tell Nineveh to repent. Did they repent? Yeah, yeah they did. And, and Jonah said, that's what I was worried about, God. He told God, I was worried about them repenting after you told them. And they did. And so it, it caused them to be, um, it, it held off God's wrath for a while. And then... Yeah. So Judah's spiritual condition reached an all-time low during the years of Jeremiah's ministry. Flagrant idolatry, child sacrifice, uh, promoted under kings Ahaz and Manasseh. They promoted that. Some some of the people would go to in the morning. They would go and worship the Lord. Um, have sacrifices to the Lord and in the afternoon they would go to the idolatry side and they would worship the idols and all that. So it was a messed up, messed up group there. So now we're going to talk about the invading company, country. That with the noise of Babylon's troops invading, rumbling in their ears, Jeremiah warned King Zedekiah that the city would fall and he would be taken captive. Zedekiah failed to heed his warning and but but whatever Jeremiah prophesied happened. Jeremiah's adversaries intensified as he continued to have private audiences with Zedekiah. He was beaten, this is Jeremiah, he was beaten and thrown into prison. Despite his personal suffering, Jeremiah refused to relent in speaking God's true message concerning Judah, Judah's final future. And he's asked of seeking harm of his countrymen, accused of seeking harm of his countrymen. Jeremiah was thrown into a muddy cistern, a pit, used to collect water, and he was left there to starve to death as he was sinking into the mud. But uh, there was a, God's mercy showed, God showed mercy. What did he say to Jeremiah? He said, I will rescue you. And he did. There was a Cushite man named Ebed-Melech. He rescued Jeremiah. He went to the king and says, look, he's going to die as a prophet. Um, he said, okay, get him, to get him out. So he went and put this, this, this Cushite, he sent down a bunch of uh, clothes and rags and things and he put them under his arms and he sent down a rope and he pulled him up and so he was he was saved um, even as we suffer God strokes the fire of our faith by providing what we need most and um, the Babylonian forces eventually broke through Jerusalem's walls they were they were attacked for two years Jerusalem was like impenetrable. They had walls. He could run three chariots side by side along the walls. It was almost impenetrable. And so people inside were starving to death. 
and they broke through the walls. Um, Zedekiah and a group of soldiers ran out, and they, they actually caught Zedekiah. And um, Nebuchadnezzar instructed his commander to spare Jeremiah, who was released from prison and allowed to stay with his own people. Amid the terror, God spoke a message to Jeremiah for Ebed-Melech. He said, you will not be, this is, he spoke to Ebed-Melech. He said, you will not be given into the hands of those you fear. I will save you. You will not fall by the sword, but will escape with your life because you trusted in me, <coughs> declares the Lord. He's the one who went and got Jeremiah released. God's faithful, faithful may suffer, but he sees what his people endure. And he can be trusted when you obey him, even though it becomes costly. So his message was, you have broken God's covenant, this is to Judah, by your sins of idolatry, injustice, and empty religion. Judgment is coming, repent. Hope exists beyond judgment, I will restore what sin has destroyed, he said. So the major themes here, some of them are God himself, the promise-keeping God cannot tolerate sin, but stands ready to restore what sin has destroyed. And then divine judgment, Israel and Judah broke their covenant with God and awaited his promised judgment. God is too holy to allow sin to be unpunished. Repentance, God offers a way of hope and restoration for all whose turn from their wicked ways and to him for salvation. God's heart is compassionate towards sinners. He longs for us to return to him. God's broke their, Israel broke their covenant with God, and God has provided a way for sinners to find hope and restoration through his son, Jesus. Um, despite Israel's sin, God promises a day of future restoration and hope to his wayward people, people who turn to face God, face a bright future. So God called, a little summary, God called Jeremiah to speak for him during the Judah's final hours. And despite his personal anguish, Jeremiah spoke boldly for God for more than 40 years. So God has positioned you in a city, in a neighborhood, and even in a family with great spiritual needs. As you share the hurt in the fallen world, as we share the, the hurt in the fallen world, how will you respond? Do you, do you escape the pain? Like Jeremiah, are you willing to walk toward and through hardship to answer God's call? How is God leading you to reach out to who may be unaware of the spiritual peril that they face? We could be like Jeremiah. Repent! because you're going to go into eternity without God in hell. So, so is God leading you to reach out to those who may not be aware of the spiritual peril they face? If, you're, if our comfort were God's only concern, he would immediately transport us to heaven, right? <laughs> so, but uh, God leaves us here to make a difference. What comforts are you willing to forsake to obey God? Life is hard, but God promises a bright future for those who seek him. So, in Jeremiah 31, 31, we're now getting closer to the end. 
The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. So, how do you fix what is badly broken? Sin's destruction can only be repaired by God himself. Israel and Judah rebelliously broke their covenant with God in multiple ways. They worshiped false gods, mistreated one another, and perpetuated empty worship rituals. God continued to call them back to himself, even though they marched toward and through intense judgment. Through Jeremiah's book, though Jeremiah's book resounds with warnings of a powerful theme and the hope of but of also hope, God promised a new covenant that would fulfill and extend the old covenant they had broken. Through faith in Christ, believers experienced the wonders of the new covenant God promised through Jeremiah. Only God can make new what sin has broken. The comfort Jeremiah offered to Israel extends to God's people today. Through intense warnings, object lessons and visions, and other demonstrations of his message, Jeremiah continually called God's people to repentance. His unpopular confrontation, confrontational message caused him personal sufferings. As he, he was threatened, he was put in stocks, beaten, jailed, thrown in a cistern, and eventually was captivated, or paid, made captive and taken to Egypt. Jeremiah began, began with 14 messages to Judah concerning the upcoming judgment. Written before the exile, Jeremiah exposed in detail how Israel failed to live as God's people and broke their, his covenant with God. God compels believers to share the certainty of God's upcoming judgment, with, but with compassion and, and a tearful, pleading heart. So share with others that. God's merciful desire for his people to repent and to restore their relationship with him is evidenced by many prophets that he sent to Judah. The hope that they promised found in its ultimate fulfillment in the suffering and death of the Lord Jesus who fulfilled the old covenant and mediates a new covenant for us. And in Jeremiah 2, it says, um, But my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. And a similar theme of the prophet Hosea, Jeremiah continued, or condemned Israel's rampant idolatry, spiritual adultery, uh, and prostitution and promiscuity. Pervasive idolatry even led to the despicable practice of child sacrifice. Jeremiah, saw, Jeremiah also exposed Israel's leaders for their evil ways and failure to lead people as, as, as he intended. The corruption that permeated Israel's prophets, priests, and kings led the nation to tragic injustice one to another. Uh, ex exploiting the people God endowed them to protect. He's talking about the leaders now. Um, these leaders preyed on widows, orphans and foreigners. So they stole their houses, they swindled, swindled them out of their houses, and, uh, and God was 
really upset with them for all that, all of the corruption that the leaders presented. Therefore, the Lord Almighty says, because you have not listened to my words, I will summon all the peoples of the north, that's uh, my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, declares the Lord, and I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants against all the surrounding nations. I will completely destroy them and make them an object of horror and scorn and everlasting ruin. Jeremiah foretold God's design to use a foreign nation as an instrument of righteous judgment. He prophesied it, what, 14 years before the invasion and told, told Judah to repent. Um, God's people awaited judgment and they brought that they brought upon themselves. In a bold pronouncement, Jeremiah declared that the God's servant, Nebuchadnezzar, would come against the land and its inhabitants and surrounding nations. Surrounding nations also. He, when they came down, they, they, they got everybody. But um, Jeremiah was documented all of this. He had, he had a guy named Baruch. Um, he hired a guy named Baruch to write down everything. So that's why everything's written down. And so, someone by God himself, the northern people and the armies would render Judah a desolate wasteland. God also determined the amount of time his people would remain under Babylon dominion, 70 years. Jeremiah antagonized in personal pain as he forecast the reality facing the nation. Even his countrymen um, banned him from the city, or the people that where he lived, kicked him out, said, we don't want somebody like you around here. So Judah had reached the point of no return. God's judgment would bring devastating results. In Jeremiah 18.7, it says, if at any time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, and if that nation I want repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster I had planned. And that reminds me back to Jonah again, because Jonah went in and told, I think my personal opinion is Jonah had seen what the Assyrians would do when they came and took over people and took people back. They cut off their ears. They just did all kinds of torture. Won't go into that, but... Um, I think that's why Jonah didn't want the Ninevites to be, to hear the message that God would, you know, to repent because he wanted them killed. He wanted them, they were just so evil. He wanted them, but they repented. They just, so they, God relented and didn't wipe them out. So in Jeremiah 29, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and, I, and, I, and come to me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. God's plans prevail. The people of Judah would survive the exile and return to their homeland. Until God calls his people home, they will they are to bless and serve 
their neighbors. When evil appears to have the upper hand, God promises his kingdom and eternal glory and to offer hope. Sin, sin does not have the last word. Okay, we're going to skip a few things. God sent Jeremiah to bear a sh and share a difficult message. People can overlook the, the sturdiness of character in the man known as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah faithfully carried out a heavy message with integrity and personal empathy. How deeply do we feel in anguish of people in life for God's coming judgment? So, if you got that, but there's a lot of people don't know Christ, don't know they're they're heading for a cliff, and it's going to dump in, in you know they they live here what a hundred years, and they're going to be be in in hell for eternity. We need to reach out to those people. Christians today live in, a, in middle chapters of this developing story. We recognize that God created the world, sent his son, and sent us on a spirit-powered walk on earth while we await eternity. Like Israel, we are exiles longing for a better place and a more glorious day. People who trust God find the, and uh, and find hope and stability in God himself, not in personal ease. If you feel like God has paused your life in a season of trauma, will you trust him? How will you fix your gaze on God while you wait on him to resolve your most challenging situation? God can repair what sin has destroyed. This story does not end with the brokenness we see and experience. God's God only can fix sins damaged, but he delights to do so, too. God repeatedly walks his people, wants his people to repent and test by faith in his provision. His invitation to faith remains open to the world and to you. He longs for us to turn to him to find comfort, peace, and wholeness. Whether we consider his this world's craziness, I like that part, or the sin that lurks in private corners of our hearts. We know that God does not turn away from our desperate plight. God will bring restorative judgment and uphold, uphold justice. But even as he does, he paves a way to make us new. God did a new thing through his son to free us from sin's bondage. God has planned great and unsearchable things that our minds cannot contain and our words cannot express. How will you experience this new life, new hope, and power in your daily life? If you know him, will you continue to walk and trust that he is at your side and has your best interest at heart? What can you do to help others face eternity? Yes. One of the things that um, Jeremiah did to finish studying the the, um, uh, the message was to grab his hand and hold his hand and say, 
Went back to Israel. No, no. Where did they go? Oh, they went to Babylon. Judah went to Babylon. Yeah. So if you look at before, before um, Judah was destroyed, how were the people? The people were ignoring God. They were worshiping idols. And what, what about after the exile? When they came back, were they interested in idols anymore? No. God had a, God had a great people that no longer interested in idols, which God repulsively objected to. Um, but they were just interested now in serving the Lord. And uh, Ezra and Nehemiah brought them back. And, and, and you, you remember that story. They got them back to building, building the temple, building the, the, uh, the city for Jerusalem. And, uh, and so, so disaster in this case of the Israelites' exile, exile, got them away from all of this idolatry and sinfulness and brought them back to reality. Yes, yeah, so is God... <laughs> So God's wrath is Yeah. Well, you can see what happens if if his wrath is anger and wrath comes upon us. Eventually we you know, take us through the file the fire like the tribulation, for example, is coming. We know that. And uh, it's going to pure people, purify people. And uh, are you willing to die for Christ? He died for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your presence today, and we just thank you for your word. We just um, thank you for allowing Jeremiah to... Uh, record all of the events of of the exile and uh, and beyond. And so, Lord, we just uh, thank you for for each of these people here today. We pray that you be with them and show favor upon them. Uh, we pray that you would um, be with um, uh, the rest of our service and um, pray that we might honor and glorify you through all that we do. In Jesus' name, Amen. You are dismissed.